Welcome back, my Alchemy Chic family. I am back with one of my Alchemy Chic influencers. This young lady is actually in the Chicago area, and uh, we have connected due to our um, passion for healthy hair care, as well as just being more of um, an entrepreneur and pursuing things on a different path, I would like to say. Uh, she is a mom. Um, and she is also an entrepreneur like I mentioned before. But what I also love is the fact that she's very passionate about healthy hair care. And she's also very, um, she's a brainiac, I would like to say, when it comes to the <laughs> hair care industry. And it's something that I have always admired about her. And that's definitely a connection that we have had. But I also know that she's very passionate about women's mental health, physical health, emotional yes. health. And that is a part of our industry, as I would like to say, um, we are the psychologist for everybody. Uh, but Alchemy <laughs> Chic family, please welcome Miss Jasmine Hudson. Hi, everyone. How are you all? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my dear. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for so having for joining me. Us. <laughs> okay, so where did you study cosmetology? When did that all start for you? Um, so I started at... Pivot Point International one month after I graduated high school. I graduated in April of 2001 and that May I started at Pivot Point um, in Evanston and it was uh, it was a great foundation for me um, but when I started actually learning um, about hair was when I when I had my first assistant job, I worked for a woman on um, 71st and Calumet in Chicago. Um, and this woman had worked at like Yahia's downtown for 13 years, built up a clientele and then moved and opened up her own salon on the South side. And when she brought me in, she taught me everything I needed to know about how to take care of African-American hair naturally without the use of over over processing by heat or chemicals. And she was just great. Like she was the one that introduced me to trichology. She was the woman that introduced me before like all of this YouTube stuff got big. Like she taught me how to mix and make my own conditioners from fruits and vegetables. She taught me how to um, mix and make my own oil concoctions to combat dandruff and dermatitis and things like that. Like she was awesome. Um, so I, I owe a lot of my uh, career and the things that I've learned on my journey to her because she planted that seed in me that, that made me want to seek out more as it related to the science of hair. Now, I, I understand how big of a deal it is to um, start off in terms of like having a good foundation, both with having a mentor and um, studying where you studied. But just to, just can you elaborate for us in terms of like, I know how big, um, how big the, and I, I don't know why I'm literally drawing a blank right now, um, pivot point is for the Chicago community and just for the hair community as a whole. But can you just elaborate with how big that institution is? Because I consider it like the Harvard of cosmetology. Actually, so, pivot point, yes. I'm Not to cut you off, but I absolutely agree. It would be what would be considered the Harvard of cosmetology 
um, considering the fact that most schools in the world, not just in Chicago, but in where Pivot Point International books are the books that are that 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 schools in fifty five different countries use. Like most people think that it's my ladies. No, it's the Pivot Point technique of hair cutting. The Pivot Point. Um, Col- the, 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 the pivot point basis of color their science of color and all that good stuff like they are <laughs> one of the biggest like Vidal Sassoon and pivot point go hand in hand yeah because um, I, I also attended a pivot point school here in Georgia um, in the Atlanta area you know not not and this was before all of the Aveda schools and the Paul Mitchell schools before yep. any of that popped up there was pivot point. So I, I understand how, how huge that is, but I just wanted to have you kind of elaborate on that. Um, but in your studying, like what were some of the interesting or knowledgeable aha moments that you had learning your craft in your earlier years? Oh man, so, so many, so many aha moments. Let me, let me just, I, I'll start with this story, right? Um, I have been uh, privy to a lot of mean uh, mentors on my journey. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to say it like that, but mm-hmm. women in the industry that want you to do your job and do it well and mean business, they are on your behind and they are not nice about it because whatever you do behind the bowl affects their clients. Yeah. And at now, me being a professional, I completely understand. I, Of course, I, I would like to think that I'm nice in my manner and way that I try to teach, but... Um, you know, I, you just never know. But I know that that sometimes the women that I worked up on, they would come off really harsh and mean. Like one of my yeah, uh, mentors, my very first one, she told me, you blow dry like sugar honey iced tea and your <laughs> shampoo is half. I said, oh, that, but, but that lit a fire in me to become the best at blow drying hair. That lit a fire in me to become the best at shampooing. Like I spent a large amount of time before I actually got out on the floor working assisting because I was not sure of myself I wanted to master each and every aspect of the business at the bowl before I got on the floor you know what Mm -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. and I I often said that like for because I've I've had similar experiences but the one one of the the my most like impactful mentors I've compared her to the Devil Wears Prop Miranda Priestly. Yeah. Not in a sense of like, you know, she's evil or anything, but she was on she was about the business of hair. Yeah. And so although she was really great at what she did, she was also very hard on me. Yep. So but it also made me a better stylist. So I completely understand what, what you're saying. And I often said that that is like the storyline of how I came up in the hair hair business is the movie The Devil Wears Prada. Yes. I'm sorry, I didn't <laughs> no, yes, absolutely. I mean, those women back then, they were all about making sure everything got done right so that by the chair, by the time the client sat in their chair they didn't have to do a whole lot of work. You know what I mean? And now that I'm in essentially her position, I completely understand. If I Mm -hmm. have an assistant there and she's putting my schedule behind me because I have to go back and shampoo one of my clients, I have to deal with the disdain of my clients. I have to my schedule being thrown off and then I have to compensate or make up for that time. 
Exactly. Yes. And and I have not had an assistant because of that. I had one and she spoiled me rotten. And I have not <laughs> had the heart to go and find another assistant, even though I know I need one. But, you know, it does affect like how your your work is done is making sure that that person is on the same page as you. Yeah. But So just taking it back a little bit further, like when was it that you knew that cosmetology is where you were destined to be? Because to come out five months out of high school and I was also fortunate in that way to know that that's what I wanted to do. Um, but there are a lot of us at the age of 18 that have no clue what we wanted to do. So when was that moment where you knew oh, girl. where you were destined to be? I knew that beauty was where I was destined to be at a very young age. I knew it at like nine or something like oh, that. Wow. My, I was raised, um, fortunately, I was raised um, with my grandmother who was uh, what, what, what some of us would like to call a kept woman, you know, all she did was keep the house and the kids and everything else was tended to. So when it came to being a woman, and I mean like a feminine woman, she had everything. She had all the fingernail polish. She had all the makeup, different brands. She had all the clothes, the, 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 from, from Walmart brand to the high-end Burberry, you know what I mean? Like she was a woman in every sense of the word. So for me, at a young age, I always wanted to do dainty things. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, I was rough around the edges. I wanted to play basketball, but I wanted to play basketball in my tennis skirt and biking shorts. It was a different. Um, but because I had all of these things in the house and, you know, it was me by myself, like, I entertained myself by playing in her makeup and dressing up in her clothes, that sort of stuff. So when she caught on to uh, me wanting to be in her things, she started to purchase my own stuff. So she bought me like a nail kit. She bought me like um, relaxer kits or whatever back then. And I would literally like a, a girl across the street from me, um, Jahan Murray, shout out to Jahan. Um, <laughs> her mom, Cookie would allow me to come over or Johanna come over for me to relax her hair. And I started getting my practice. I would practice on the girls in the neighborhood or the girls I went to school with or my little cousins, for that matter, um, with different things. I remember sitting on the steps of St. Clotilde with, um, you know, Valerie Gardner. Yes. Um, I remember sitting on the steps of St. Clotilde with her and some of our other friends at school and putting on like nail stencils for Halloween and that had to have been in like the third or fourth grade yeah. so like I was I was destined for beauty back then but I made up my decision and my mind that this is what I was going to do for a living I had a plan mapped out by the age of 12 like I said I got something in the mail that said um Pivot Point Academy, uh, uh, the international leader in beauty. I filled that uh, postcard out and sent it back that same day. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah. I was 12 years old. So it was kind of like one of those things that was a no brain. I was definitely going to be in beauty. And at first, I used to say, like, oh, I'm going to get my master's in beauty. I'm going to know everything there is to know about beauty. I'm going to do facials. I'm going to do waxing. Everything there is to know. <laughs> um, and then, of course, <laughs> as we all learn, once you get in it, it's like uh, you got to pick a t side. You got to 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, so what is it about the hair industry that is nourishing or fulfilling to you? What is most fulfilling to me is the look on women's faces when mm-hmm. they've accomplished the hair goal. Mm-hmm. Not just the style, but like an actual goal. Like I have had women in my chair who never thought their hair could grow past three inches. And, you know, I don't, there's no way for you to, you know, uh, make them feel more confident in you without sounding cocky. But like, I always just tell women, like, listen, trust me, give me a year with your hair. And they, but you have to at least give me that full one year with your hair to show you. I have to show you. I can't just tell you that this is what's going to happen. You have to see it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And the the most fulfilling moment is always within that year or even just on the journey when they see progress and their eyes light up like, oh, my gosh, I never thought this was possible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That is the most fulfilling thing for me. Now, being in someone's personal space, because I, I, I used to hear my mentor say it all the time. And now, you know, as, as you start to build your clientele, it really does click. Outside of the doctor no or, or massage therapist, no other occupation is in someone's personal space the way that we are. Um, so mm-hmm. being in someone's personal space as a hairstylist and seeing so many different women, how does how has that impact your life with being that close to so many different people? It's scary. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, I might be an extrovert as it relates to business and in school like I I have this discussion with one of my teachers right now um and she's like uh Jasmine you're an you're you're an extrovert and I'm like no really I'm an introvert (laughs) but when I'm confident in um in something in a subject I exhibit extrovert behavior because I'm confident in in the space that I'm in and so like now that I'm in this classroom with you guys and I'm comfortable yes I can be my extroverted self but on the inside I'm really an introvert so um women coming into my personal space also is very threatening uh to me Mm -hmm. because I'm a feeler and um I always I always have like it's never just surface for me like if you come in and you tell me your story oh my god my heart goes out to you and so it also puts me in a place of um what's the better word to use it puts me in 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 a place of like openness too because I feel like I have to be my genuine self. I have to be a genuine woman. And especially when you're connecting on levels where you have women in your chair crying about the way that they look or crying about um, the way someone might have treated them or talked to them because of their hair, it it makes you really vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of scary for me because it's such an intimate place to be in because you tread that line really finely of being a professional and a friend. You mm-hmm, see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it's very it's a very, very thin line. Um, because I've had women who've uh tried to take advantage of me because of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm 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 pro woman and pro relationships. So 
like I, I had a client who she was really, really digging a guy, and any, but he didn't live in Chicago. So anytime she was going out of town to see him, she would call me last minute like, oh, what are you doing? I need my hair done. He just sent me a ticket. I need to go. And I would drop whatever I was doing and I would go tend to her. And then it became a thing where she'd be like, oh, I don't have the money to, to pay you. Can I hit you on the back end? You know yeah. what I mean? And I would like, oh, okay, that's fine. And then it got to a point where I was like, oh, wait a minute. She's behind a couple of payments. This is kind of putting me in a bind because I wanted to pay this with that money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely one of those things where yeah, I've had to have these lessons that I learned from in order to move forward as a businesswoman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I and it's it's very um it's very difficult because you do get to hear all of the intimate details of someone's life to keep that borderline where I could I could be a friend while you're here, but also it's like business. Like I I still gotta you still gotta like your your charges are your charge at the end of this this uh counseling session. So okay <laughs> listen and you know and and me being the type of person that I am and really having a heart for people, being genuine, like it's hard. It, well, it has been hard. I'm not going to say now because I've had a few situations that have come up in life that I've learned from. But it it is still very hard for me to detach myself and just be the professional because then I feel like you're only in it for the money. And I, I, I've never been my aim. You know what I mean? Like the fact that I could get paid for what I'm doing is definitely a plus, you know? Yes, yeah. But, and, and when it's something that you're passionate about, sometimes it can seem kind of awkward to get money for your passion. Cause sometimes when I get paid at the end of the day and I'm just looking at, I'm like, y'all really still pay me for this, huh? Like, this is, like, girl, like y'all really girl, still pay me for this. Like, this is pretty wait, cool. Wait a minute. So let me tell you, um, I I ended up closing down my salon because I wanted to be in a different environment um, that was more geared towards the science affair. So I, of course, being from Chicago, you any anybody knows if you're on the south side, parking is free. <laughs> yeah, parking is free and it's available. But if you go downtown and start working, parking can be. Uh, 16 to 27 dollars you know so yeah so a, a testament to to how much my clients really cared for me and valued me as a person was when I said you know what guys I'm moving downtown I really do apologize but there isn't any parking you'll have to pay for parking it's about 18 bucks I took a chance and stepped out on faith girl moved my in the interim I also uh signed up to drive Lyft part-time in the event I did lose a nice amount of clients which at the afterwards I looked and I said that was a waste of my time I did not have to do it even though I love doing it because that you know I like talking to people right. um so but I moved downtown and I found myself crying one day because I said oh my gosh oh I'm getting teared up now oh my gosh my clients love me. They follow me wherever I go. And then on top of what I charge for my services, because let the streets tell it that I'm considered high. On top of what I charge for my services, they come and they pay an extra $18 just to sit in my chair. Yeah. That, he said, oh my gosh, 
why are you driving Lyft? (laughs) 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 What are you doing? So, um, yeah, that part. Yeah, I, I often oftentimes feel like when you create that value where your clients completely trust you and they know that you have their best interests at heart, they are willing to go to bat for you regardless. And it is a very humbling feeling knowing that people entrust you that much. Like, mm-hmm. it, I understand how I can bring you to tears. Trust me, I, I know. <laughs> Girl. I definitely you- know. Um, so you, it's like, I know you, I know you meant, uh, you made a, a jump into or enhancing your, your craft, I should say, with going into and learning more about trichology. Can you tell us, although I know, and I'm very passionate about it as well, can you tell everyone else exactly what is trichology? Trichology is, um, in, in, in short, the study of hair, period. Um, it's everything that's pertaining to your hair and how it grows and the science behind how it grows from the roots, period. Um, everything that, everything that's related to your hair starts there. So, like, of course, we want to get color and things like that, but you might not want to get color, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, if you have areas of your hair, you might want to hold off on getting a chemical or something of that nature. But trichology is basically um, your hair under a microscope and the study of it. So I, I know, and I often tell my, my clients this, and I never want to pry into someone's business, but I often tell my clients, like, your hair tells me what's going on with you. And oh, girl. a lot of my clients, I don't know if they just don't believe me or, <laughs> or if they're just thinking like it's a little hocus pocus, but it's like, no, your hair will tell me that there's something going on with you. But in order for me to be an effective stylist and actually get you to where your hair goes is you have to give me something so I can know how to combat it exactly. Can you, can you yep. share a little bit more about what that relationship is like with your clients? Oh, girl, um, these women, <laughs> they are always shocked and amazed at the fact that I can point out exactly what they've done to their hair, whether mm-hmm. it be a product that they use. Like I have one client, she's addicted to brown gel. OK, so <laughs> because I've been on her for so long about this brown gel problem she's having, um, <laughs> she's she shampoos her hair before she comes to sit in the chair. Mm-hmm. And so when she gets to the bowl, I can smell it. Like, mm-hmm, you know, you've been mm-hmm. doing, I've been in this business for years now. Mm-hmm. So for me, once I get to the bowl, I can smell anything. I could smell if you had garlic for breakfast. I can smell if you use Pantene within mm-hmm. the last week. I can smell if you use uh, brown gel <laughs> like I can smell it and she's always like oh my god how do you know I my hair. and I'm like girl if I don't know anything else I know hair and yeah so I caught you and please stop <laughs> you know? it's just one of those things but yeah like you can you can print I'm talking about 
smokers, women who smoke, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll lie and say on like a consultation card, oh no, I don't smoke. And then you get them to the bowl and you're like, girl, you, I smell. You smell it and you nicotine. feel it. And it's like, it's like yeah, yeah, no, I smell it and I feel it. I, I know <laughs> there is something here going on. Okay. Um, so what was there a moment where you were like, okay, I want to know more about trichology. Was there like a particular client that made you want to go deeper into into the no. hair world or was it always there? No, it was always there because again, my basis uh, with Mary, working with Mary was trichology. Mm-hmm. She introduced me to trichology itself. I kid you not. There was a book, I can't remember the name of the book, but there's a book um, that she had in the salon that studied trichology and told us uh, what trichology was and uh, how we could delve into it. Um, and this was in two, no, this was in 98. Mm-hmm. This was in 98. And so they, they, they went over trichology and how um, it began and all this and that. And I was so intrigued. Mind you, I was probably about 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was my introduction to it even being an option then. And I started doing my research on it to see how I could get into it and got sidetracked when someone came to Pivot Point and told me that they made $5,000 a day doing makeup and hair for movies. Mm-hmm. I was totally I was totally thrown off from trichology from that point on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Well, I know the 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 glitters and and all of the frills oh, and it'll take you the, like, "Oh, wait, but I can do this." Oh, wait, but I the, can do this. Yeah. The lore of Hollywood, okay? Yes. <laughs> but the the good, the cool part about it was I mean, while it kind of put it on the back burner for me for a while, the good part about it was there wasn't any uh, space available or there weren't any courses that were being offered outside of self-study programs back then. And then also they did, when, I, when I moved to California and I did pursue my um, certificate of special effects makeup, they had a course that they had at uh, Southern California University, and but you had to be a student there. So that kind of that kind of threw me out of the uh, of the running to, to to study it. But it gave me names and people to watch and look for in the industry of trichology. And the man, um, the two men, there were two men who discovered. Uh, the courses and they weren't from here they were from Australia one well I think one is from Australia and one is from London but David Salinger he was the guy who created the course at SCU back in the 70s and so but when I was there in 2005 they weren't offering it anymore so I found that I I, I figured I'm like I keep running into a dead end with this trichology because it's not offered in any of our colleges it's offered overseas in their four-year universities. Before you become a, a cosmetologist, well, you have to take that. You have to take it up as a college course. Like, oh, wow. try, yeah, over there, it's hair is completely different, which is why they can go so deep into those colors and they come mm-hmm. out so well mm-hmm. because it's offered as a college course. It's not just like a twelve-month like it is here in the states. So yeah, I found him, and that gave me a name. So once I finished uh, special effects makeup school, 
I went to a hair show and they were offering a program um, to study module one of trichology because again, it's still a self-study program, um, but no one is offering it as a course in a school. Like no hair school is offering it. Mm -hmm. um, No colleges here are offering it, which I think um, is going to be my... uh, next adventure in life honestly and truly because I think that that should be um that should be a requirement for cosmetologists here in the states I think it should be the exact same way like I I, if you want to study trichology like you can I mean if you want to study cosmetology okay you can have this short course but then you can also study trichology as a college course and become a hair doctor like Mm -hmm. I think that that should definitely be an option but there's so many uh, things that go against it because at the end of the day, it is, uh, what, what is it? What, what, what's the best? It's a, uh, what, 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 a holistic approach to hair care. And of course we all know not that's, that's not something that the, you know, powers that be really want. They don't want people healing themselves holistically. So, yeah. Yeah. But I think that that's going to end up being my journey. Cool. Cool. And so I guess this is a a way to kind of segue into it, but how, because you are so passionate about everything dealing with hair care, how has your faith played a, a part in your development in that and just just overall like how does how does your faith help to keep that part of you driven um my faith in God and knowing that what's for me is for me and he's going to direct my steps keeps me on the grind um I it's it's one of those things that you really can't explain that you just feel like I know this in my heart of hearts like I remember saying um maybe in 2008, oh, I want to be the Oprah of hair. Now, I said that unbeknownst to myself, you know, figuring out what path I would be on or what journey or whatever. But now in my growth and looking back, when I said that, I didn't mean it like, oh, I'm going to be the coldest stylist out here with the best weaves and all this and that. No, I meant it on a larger scale. Like, no, I'm going to be the woman that people look to about the science of hair in 2046. You know Mm -hmm, what I mean? mm -hmm. Um, Because I don't know many women that are on this journey and that are as serious about it. Like I know women that pick it up and they drop it off because it doesn't make them money. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I don't care if it doesn't make me one red cent just as long as people listen to my teachings and take heed to them and carry them on, I'm fine with that. Yeah. So do you feel like you're living your purpose right now? I honestly do. I do. I don't feel like um, I, because here's the thing. Even if I didn't get a dime for doing hair with the long days, the, the, the sacrifices, I would do this for free. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's how you know for sure you're walking in your purpose. Anything yep. that you don't mind doing, like I, I, I wake up, I eat it, I breathe it. It is, it's, it, it's in every fiber of my being. Teaching women, teaching women, black women specifically, about 
how to tend to and care for their hair is something I cannot avoid. I find myself in passing with strangers having these conversations <laughs> on single serving friends. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the plane, like, and the woman next to me has slit ends, and I'm just like, hey, listen, you you, you might want to try <laughs> the reconstructor by Goldwell. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I I can't like I can't shake it. And I I don't I don't know I don't know what the future holds for sure, for sure, but I, I do know that um teaching women is going to be in my uh, future and um, teaching things about hair. It's going to be in my future. Like somebody told me the other day, they were like, oh, Jay, you should definitely give a class. And then I just sat there and I thought about it. I'm like, what would I give a class on? None of these girls are interested in me giving a class. Like they're interested in classes about lace frontals and how yes. to apply wigs and how to yeah. make wigs. But they are definitely not interested in me talking about the cortex, medulla, and cuticle of the hair. <laughs> yes. Well, but the thing is, and and you notice it a lot, and I notice that people are now starting to understand why that's important, is because, yes, you can have the best lace front ever, but if your hair and your scalp underneath is trash, it's not really benefiting for you to have that lace front. Like, it may, well, it may benefit to a certain extent in terms of, like, if you are emotionally needing, like you have some sort of scarring or something and you need some sort of emotional it's um, gratification with that, for but, sure. but in terms of like just slapping it on and not caring for the hair and the scalp that's underneath it, it's not really as beneficial as most people would like to think. Well, here's the thing. The psychology behind it all has everything to do with how a woman feels about herself. Regardless mm -hmm. if it's, you know, her natural hair or wig or not, because what I've run into is a lot of black women who are, don't like their natural hair texture at all. And it's because it's been drilled into them since they were kids. Like, oh, my God, my hair is so nappy. Like, girl, where? Your hair isn't nappy, okay? It might have a <laughs> tight pull to it, you know what I mean? But that's like not, not nappy. That's like, not nappy. And, you know, but, I find myself telling my clients that all the time, and they are like, Rachel, you're just trying to be polite. And it's like, no. No. Like, no, I'm, no. I'm not. It, you really, there's, you don't have nappy hair. Like, you listen. And then, now, that's, now, here's the thing. One thing about me for sure is I'm always honest. I might be a little bit too honest and I might not have the best choice of words when it comes to my honesty. But one thing is for sure, if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you my honest opinion. And mm -hmm. I, I don't have a lot of clients that have nappy hair, but I do have a cousin whose <laughs> hair, her hair is like the carpet for sure. Like you have, you ever touched the carpet and tried to push your fingers all the way down to the bottom and couldn't. This, this now, can't, yeah, girl, that is her hair. And when I, it's wiry, it's unmanageable. It's all that. Like that to me is like the top, the the whatever the standard is for nappy. That that's the standard. So when you have hair that's not like that and it's definitely manageable. <laughs> 
yeah, girl, this is a breeze. Like you're fine. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like you are a okay. You are a okay. Trust me, okay. But uh, but you know, it's what we've been trained to believe. So a lot so, of us, it's emotion. It's an emotional thing, um, mentally, um, and uh, how we how we want others to view us and how we view ourselves. You know. So, and I know that that we've we've had conversations before, um, just about self image and all of that, and making sure that you're doing it for the health of your hair, not and not because you're trying to stick to some sort of standard. But what do you feel like women need to know the most about love? Loving yourself is the best thing you'll ever do in your life, and I promise you, you have to stand on it and be selfish. You're not going to be selfish right away because, of course, if you're anything like me, you're going to feel bad for being selfish with yourself. <laughs> you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, 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 it's a, it, it was a big, long, hard journey for me to get to a point where I loved myself enough to say no to others because mm-hmm. I was a people pleaser. Like, I was born and bred in a family full of women who there were hierarchies and you didn't go against the grain. When your elders told you X, Y, Z, you listened, you believed it. And then you tried to, to uh, you tried to meet their standard of what perfection is, even if they weren't perfect, but you don't know that as a child, you don't learn that type of stuff until you get of age. Like, Oh, wait a minute. She wasn't perfect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She did this, she did that. But because I was raised in that I always tried to stand up to that and so I what I ended up learning was that me being a people pleaser was not me loving myself now that's not to say that on my journey I haven't had moments where um I was in that where where I can look back and say now I was in that mind state for a reason God had me in that mind state for a reason and it wasn't for me it was to help someone else on the side of me you know Mm -hmm, what I mean mm -hmm. Like you, if you're growing up and you have the super rebellious friend who is just, you know, wild and rampant, but you're her voice of reason because you have these values, because your people have embedded and instilled these things in you and you're able to tell her, hey, we might not want to do that because these consequences are going to come with that and help her off of a ledge. You know what I mean? Yes. You never know why or how God is using you, but as long as you stay of pure heart and you do always do some self-reflection and say, you know what? Okay. These are the things I learned from this. These are the things I learned from that. And this is what I'm going to take away. And you grow from it. That's all that really matters at the end of the day. But self-preservation is key. Like you won't be able to help anyone else until you help yourself. Mm-hmm. And once you figure that part out, Hey, it's a walk in the park. Yeah. And I've, I've often told people like self-forgiveness, self-preservation, self-love, all of those are super powerful things. And I think having to go through that journey is never pretty. Um, I did a podcast where um, I, t- I spoke a little bit about my truth in, in that journey of, of getting to that point um, where no one can tell you who you are. It is a very powerful, powerful thing to have and to know that, that you have that in you and to actually live boldly in it. It is extremely beautiful. And I, I just thank you for sharing that with so many women because I know you've been very outspoken about that as well. Um, but also, what do you feel like women need to know about uh, quote unquote success and quote unquote failure? Um, success is whatever 
make you make it to be in your mind. Like some women's idea of success is the big house, the fancy car, the picket fence, and the the family. Um, and then to other women, it's just being able to turn that key in your door and lay on your couch and watch Real Housewives of Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) That stuff matters. Um, Because I've been the girl who who was trying to figure out what success looks like to me. Because I never really wanted the things that my peers may have wanted. You know what I mean? Like, I never desired to have the labels and the the fancy cars and all of that stuff and it, uh, it uh, and honestly it was only because I saw my grandmother with well, my family uh have those things and then lose them all you know what I mean mm-hmm. everybody's journey is different and what you're privy to is going to shape and mold who you become as a person so um with me not having been raised like that but being privy to a lot like I just never desired those things. So for me, my idea of success was just being peaceful, being happy, being mm-hmm. able to get up in the morning, turn my music up real loud, dance through the house and cross, you know, and mm-hmm. go to work every day. That's my idea of success because I don't owe nobody no money, child, and I can <laughs> go and do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, but then... You know, you have to get to a space where that type of stuff is okay for you. And if you're successful in that, it's okay. Now, career-wise, for me, success meant I didn't have to introduce myself anymore. People knew my name. People knew what I stood for. People uh, respected me as a professional. That, to me, was success. Like one of my mentors on my journey, her name is Nicole Mangrum. And when I tell you, Nikki is the most humble woman you will ever meet in your life. When I started working up under her, I knew she was a gym, but I didn't know her resume, you mm-hmm. know, because she didn't flaunt it. She didn't speak up. She didn't boast about it. She was just like, hey, and what do you want to learn? And I am here to teach you and facilitate to you in any capacity and ask me any questions. But when you walked into her salon, you would see these plaques on the wall. And it wasn't like in the front of the salon. It was like you had to go down. She had a, it was like an upstairs level. It was in Wicker Park. It was an upstairs level. And then there was a basement level. And as you went downstairs to the basement level to get to the dryers, to get to the refreshments, because that's where everything was, you would just see the wall that was lined with all these plaques and magazines that she was in and the magazine covers that she did with, you know, all of the celebrities and things like that. And you were like, oh my gosh, I had no idea she did all of these things because she was so sweet and humble. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, In my eyes as a youth, she was already successful. I mean, man, she had worked for Soft Sheen. She had... um, worked behind the scenes on different uh, celebrities, Michelle Obama, Fantasia, Michelle Williams used to frequent the salon, you know. Mm -hmm. So for me, seeing that and then knowing her, it was like, oh my gosh, she is so humble. She is a beautiful person and has a beautiful spirit inside and out. 
that's what I aspire to be. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And um, I, I actually think I was a hair model for Nikki before. <laughs> so, so you see what I mean? Like yeah. she's like the nicest person. She's, yeah. she's none of that fluff in Hollywood extra stuff. She's just really sweet. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's like, oh my gosh, she's so successful. But one thing about it, even if, even if Nikki was trying to aspire to be anything outside of what she was, I never knew it because she never was that girl to be like, oh, I want to do this. or I want to do that. I I remember vividly her saying something. This is because this is how she was. She she would just say like, oh, I get tired of doing the same thing over and over again. And I wish that um, my business wasn't so conservative because, you know, sometimes I just want to come to work and have a star painted on my eye or something you know what I mean like (laughs) she she was that chick and it was so cool because she looked like me and that was okay Mm -hmm. it was okay for you to want to feel like that and be creative and you know things like that like it was just such a good such a good success story to see so so yeah for me yeah success I mean it looks different to everybody you just have to know exactly who you are and what it is you want out of life, period. So I, I have this thing, I call it perceived failure because I, I don't really believe in failure. Um, I believe that there are certain things that come along to, to redirect you and mm-hmm. it might not always look pretty, but it ends up helping and you learning from your mistakes, it ends up helping you in the end. So have you had one of these perceived failure moments and then how did you overcome it? Oh, girl. Wait a minute. Um, let me see. Child, which one you want me to choose? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Thank you. Um, let's see. Oh, perceived failures, girl. Let me tell you, I had so many of those moments. Now, what do you want? Do you okay? Perceived <laughs> failure. Just one that. Just one that maybe had had impacted you the most and made the biggest shift in your life and in your career oh okay um I was a key holder at hair cuttery and I thought I had arrived honey like oh yes I'm moving up in the world I'm in school they gave me a key I'm gonna work my way up and I'm gonna be a manager one day you know and I cannot remember. Oh, I decided that I wanted to move to L.A. And I told the woman, you know, um, I want to move to L.A. Is it possible for me to transfer out there? And she was like, no, but she was really mean about it. She did not. She did not want to put in the paperwork for me to transfer outside of the location that she had me. And for whatever reason, I don't know what it was either. Um, Now, looking back and. I was so I think what happened was I I was out and I just I didn't have a job anymore after that like I I didn't feel I didn't feel like she believed in me Mm -hmm. that's what it was I felt like she only wanted me to be the person to come and make sure everything was open in the salon so that her business could do great or, or her numbers could go up or whatever um but I didn't feel like she wanted me to progress past that point and at that point, I was a smooth 20 or 21. Mm-hmm. I think I might have just turned 21. I just thought that, oh, man, this is this is terrible. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do what I needed to do. And I promise you, 
when I stopped working at Hair Cuttery and I made the decision to go ahead to L.A., it was the best decision I ever made in my life because what ended up happening was I ended up going out there to interview the schools that I wanted to attend. And I also interviewed at uh, a parking facility. And the guy hired me right there on the spot and said, can you start tomorrow? And I said, oh, no, I was just out here to visit and take interviews. I have to go back home and put in my two weeks notice at my job. He told me, put in your two weeks notice and I'll see you in two weeks. And when I tell you every, all the dots connected and I, I got the job, I put in my two weeks, I did my two weeks and then I moved right out to LA. That was confirmation for me that I was on the right path, but not only that, but that also a failure in your eyes doesn't always necessarily mean a failure in God's eyes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Most definitely. He he knew what I was supposed to be doing and how it was going to get done, even though I beat myself up about it. Yeah. And I, I feel like oftentimes we spend so much time beating ourselves up because we think that it was supposed to go one way when quite frankly, it's still going in the direction that you wanted it to. It's just not looking the way that you want it to. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. But I just, I want to thank you for sharing your story. Um, but just give us some information on where people can find you. Cause I, do you still bounce back and forth between Chicago and LA or are you just in Chicago for right now? For right now, I'm just in Chicago. I bounce back and forth to LA, but you know, I only do a select few, you know, I do a select few clients and then I'm there mostly for a uh, fun time. So um, if you do want to find me and would like to reach out for services or something like that, you can always reach out to me via Instagram at, um, at healthy hair care or um, on staff via J Hudson, J-A-E-H-U-D-S-O-N. Oh, nice. Thank you. And um, so th- I want to thank you again for sharing your story. I just felt like it was really important because you're one of the people that I know that is always self-driven and you rarely meet people that are like that, especially as being an entrepreneur and for as long as you've been in the hair industry. Um I feel like our similar passions would have been something that I would want to discuss and kind of put out there for people to know and just to be an inspiration for women all together. So thank you so much for uh, for sharing your story with us. And Alchemy Chic family, if you hear um, of Jasmine's story and you want to share her story with someone else um, that may need to hear it, not just as a hairstylist, but just as an entrepreneur and what that mindset and drive will look like, please text this interview to five women um, to share her story, um, her information. She said it before you can reach her on, on style seat as well as Instagram. Um, and thank you guys so much for sharing everything. And thank you again. Uh, and thank you for, for having me. Rachel, thank you for reaching out to me. Of course, me. of course, of course. And I will see you guys the next time. Thank you again, guys. Have an awesome, awesome day.